smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. Tuesday, May 5th, John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter. Cliff. Hey, John. I'm here. You're here. Today, we are doing another of our never, I shouldn't say never Trumper shows, but uh, our our shows where we occasionally interview uh, Republicans, conservatives who you may not like their politics, but you do like their anti-Trumpness. And uh, we've got Joe Walsh and Cliff will be introducing him in a minute. Uh, But some news first, I wanted to mention that uh, Bill Press, who a lot of you should know, a good progressive, is... uh, is no longer doing his morning show, but he's got a new podcast, the Bill the Bill Press Pod, which will be dropping Ooh. twice a week. Uh, you can check out the Bill Press Pod for Bill's interviews with some of the country's leading progressives like Maxine Waters, Mark Pokin, Jamie Raskin. Um, of course, it'll be very anti-Trump, <laughs> just like us. So all the people uh, that Joe hangs out with. All the, exactly. All of Joe's best friends. Well, now maybe. Um, and then he's going to he'll also be doing an end of the week roundtable with three of Washington's top political reporters commenting on the latest craziness, the the, conven- the primaries, you name it. Um, for years, you know, Bill has been one of the leading progressive voices in the country. So we're glad he's going to still be on the air. Uh, please make sure you go and subscribe to his podcast. You can uh, the the Bill Press pod. You can uh, find him wherever it is you find podcasts. You know, however you find us, go look for Bill too. But I think, anyway, Bill's always been great. So I hope folks he's, check it he's out. He's good listening. You should go yep. check it out. So Cliff, why don't you introduce uh, Joe for us and then we'll dive right in. We have, we have Joe Walsh, guys, uh, known as the Clown Prince of Rock. He went to the Rock and Roll Hall of That's Fame. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, wait. Different. Oh, shit. Oh, man, I, I prepared the whole wrong. I was thinking that, too. <laughs> Joe, I love you, man. I, can't, I, 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 had to, I had to do that. It was required of me. Um, you just actually, disappointed your whole audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they know I'm not that cool. Um, actually, the Joe Walsh we really have on here, you, you, and this is an interesting uh, story, and I'm excited for, for us to interview Joe and for you to all hear it. I mean, this is somebody who I – probably sent mean tweets to as recently as a couple of years ago. Um, but you know what? We all change and uh, that includes me for that matter. And uh, there, there uh, certainly is redemption in politics. So Joe Walsh, former congressman elected in the tea party wave of 2010, right? Is that, am I correct on that Joe? Yep. Yep. That's what I thought. Um, but you know, he has become, he was had a radio show after his congressional career on Salem, um, nationally uh, uh, syndicated and remained and still remains conservative, um, was definitely uh, a louder voice when he was in Congress, took that voice to radio. Initially, I believe, I don't even think with much skepticism, supported Donald Trump in 2016. Um, uh, somebody knocked something over and it wasn't me this time. Okay. I spilled the drink before the, the show, folks. Um, <laughs> It, we we're, we we try to keep it light here, Joe. Um, but you know, conservative <laughs> party activist, congressman, radio host, originally a Trump supporter, and so it became a pretty big deal uh, when Joe Walsh came out initially against Donald Trump and has become a stronger and stronger voice, calling out the insanity, the lies, the stupidity. Um, I could read you a couple of Joe's tweets, maybe I will during this time, and really has come to a point where. You know, he's. I remember your your the tweet that sticks with me, Joe, which is, you know, you're you're far from a socialist, but I remember you saying that even if Bernie Sanders, social democrat, socialist, yep. whatever he's saying he is, um, was nominee, you'd support that over fascism, which those of us who care about American democracy, 
uh, continuing, we're very thankful. And so uh, here we are, these unlikely bedfellows. Joe Walsh, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, Cliff and John, it's great to be with you. Hate is a strong word, but yeah, you two probably didn't like me very much a few years ago. The beauty of Trump no. is he's brought people like us together. Yeah. Well, is that a good thing? I mean, let's jump right into that. Is that a good thing? Because I think it is. Cliff thinks it is. But a lot of our, our listeners and a lot of people out there in general say, you know, I'm not I'm not willing to work with just anybody to defeat Trump. They, they think it's distasteful because, you know, look, you have been on the opposite side of the issues and, you know, you've written some pretty nasty things, <laughs> you know, some stuff about Obama, yeah. you know, the stuff about Jimmy Kimmel. It's stuff that really pissed people off. And it wasn't that long ago. People say, why should we work with you? Well, yeah, yeah, it is a good thing because right now, job number one is to get this horrible human being on the White House. I mean, period. And I don't give a damn who you are, libertarian, progressive. That's it. And, and I want to get back to a place, and I know Cliff and John, you guys do too, where uh, we, can, we can fight about and argue about policy and issues. Uh, I've learned a hell of a lot the last few years, and I'm not going to be an asshole anymore when I engage in fights like I was back 10 years ago. I want to respectfully talk about the issues, but none of that's going to happen until we get rid of Trump. As long as Trump's there, all we're going to do is talk about Trump. Well, yeah, the Trump show, which is on every day and constantly whining on Twitter and telling people to drink bleach. Um yeah. yeah. I mean, and again, look, I've made the I'm going to, you know, throw out where I am on all of this. And I was very critical of Joe. And certainly if you still hold the same positions, and I know you hold a lot of them. Uh, you and I vociferously disagree on on guns on abortion rights and a number of things. The thing is, is that, um, you know, and I've talked about the book on this show numerous times before. And this is why you've seen me take exception with certain people that I used to maybe was friends with once on the left. Yeah. Um, how democracies die. And the key book, those two, the key point those two authors made in that incredible book, the two political scientists, hmm. um, of course, their names are not coming to me now, Zyblatt, and I can't think of the other guy's name, was that the ones that survived authoritarian-type uh, regimes that tried to take over are where everyone else united against them. From If it was, it was an authoritarian regime on the right, it was everybody from reasonable conservatives on over to socialists. Zyblatt and Levitsky, by the way. Thank you. Levitsky yep. is what I can think of. <laughs> on the left, uh, you know, it was the, the ones, if, if it was a Stalinist or, you know, uh, authoritarian left-wing regime, it was everybody from socialists on over to, to conservatives. The same thing. That is how you stop the rise of the Stalins and the Hitlers and, you know, and we, and, you know, go out and name. Well, and Cl well wait, Cliff, let me just ask you, because you're, you're the student of history. That's how that was what helped Hitler come to power was the fact that the left was divided in Germany. Well, two things did, right? right. So you had yeah. the left was divided and kept fighting each other instead of uniting and the center also against. But you also had the traditional conservatives, the worst of them all, who appointed Hitler originally, von Hindenburg, um, you know, the Mitch McConnell of his time, who you know, vouched for him and said, oh, well, this guy is a crazy buffoon idiot, but he's ours. We'll control them. No problem. Yeah. And everybody sees how that turned out. And so, again, I don't care. I'll take the, the people who want to attack me constantly. Well, they've done it when we've had David Front on the show. They'll probably do it even more with Joe. Um, you know, 
throw all you got at me. I don't really care. In the end, I'm raising two boys in this country. I want this country to be a democracy. I want it to be as free as can be. I still have my political principles. I still believe in the things I believe. But to, none of that stuff, any of it, happens if we end up heading into an authoritarian regime that's illiberal at worst or genocide, or at best or genocidal at worst. So democracy first. And Joe is with us in this project. He is on my team. I'm happy to debate him about issues later. Go for it, John. Well, and I, w- I would say this, John and, and Cliff, even your most progressive listeners who can't stand my politics, I would hope would agree with me that the country needs two viable parties, a good, strong center-left party, a good, strong center-right party. We only got one fucking political party in this country right now. My, part, my old party, the Republican Party, it ain't a party. It, right. I mean, it is literally a cult. It is done. The Republican Party is done. I think your listeners need to know that. That's not a good thing for America. No, I mean, we, we, it still has the branding of a political party. So there's all sorts of people that don't pay close attention that, that will still say, oh, I'm a Republican, so I'll vote Republican. It still has the, 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 it has the propaganda outlets convincing all sorts of people that they're right about, about this, that, and the other thing. Uh, the crazy things when he says, drink bleach, oh, he didn't really mean it. Stick a UV you know, ray up your bung. Um, but you, you know what I mean? So, so they, and, and with our system, with our electoral college and gerrymandering and everything, they can still win here, in, in, even though it's essentially become a grifting cult at this point. Um, yeah, and, and John, John, you mentioned, John, you mentioned, you brought up something really good at the top. Um, the the fact press. that, look, I, I, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Come on. <laughs> I, I have a history because I went to Congress in 2010 and I was the angry young Tea Party guy. And right. I fought for the shit I believed in. There were plenty of times where I went over my skis and engaged in ugly politics. When I primary Trump last seven, eight months, it was like a public apology tour because I really do believe some of the angry politics that I engaged in going back to 2010 and 2012, I think a lot of that angry personal politics led to the ugliness of Trump. And I'm responsible for some of that. You're, you're and, funny. And I, I, I was I was about to ask there. you that. I was about to ask you that. That's that. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, yeah. He said that before. And that's yeah. again, why I appreciate you, Joe. And that's why you know, we, we, I wanted to have you on the show. I've gotten to the point where, oh, my God, liberals may hate me. For, or not liberals. Sorry, leftists. <laughs> hate me. Yeah. I like you. Um, you know, redemption is something that is as old as, as the, the American story in the world and the world itself. And the truth right. of the matter is, is that you, unlike very few of the uh, – the, there's a whole lot of people that don't like Donald Trump now. But I've heard very few of them say, I contributed to this and I was wrong. And I mean, that's an incredible thing. This isn't some like Dr. Phil show. I don't need your, you know, whatever. I don't need you to sit on a couch and do this and that. I've done plenty of shit wrong in my life. And I try to make up for it and apologize. You did some things that were bad. Uh, You're saying, I mean, I'll just, I'll quote you. I'm not judging you. And you're, now you're, you're saying you helped contribute to this. So you're trying to, you know, rectify the situation, right? I mean, maybe the best Absolutely, Cliff. Amen. Look, as a former Republican, I think two things led to Trump. Um, One was the angry personal politics of Tea Party people like me. Um, I said things about Obama. I said things about 
gun uh, control people back in my talk radio days that I look back on now and I say, what the hell was I thinking? Uh, Sometimes I got too wrapped up in the issues and you get caught up, especially in the conservative social media world. You get caught up in being as outrageous as you can be. And there were times I did that. That helped lead to Trump. The other thing that helped lead to Trump was a Republican Party establishment that was totally fucking out to lunch and had no idea how angry their base was. That that's what brought Trump on the Republican side. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, they, 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 could, go ahead. I, mean, I was going to say what what could. I was going to say, what could they have done if the base was so angry? And maybe that is a good question, but it also goes forward. What can be done? I mean, so let's start with that. The base was so angry. You guys obviously helped stoke the base. You're right. Um, yeah. you know, the Tea Parties and everybody else, but not just the Tea Party. McConnell, everybody helped stoke and the base. Let's not forget, and I'll let yeah. you continue from here, John, yeah, yeah. but I, I'm sorry. I'm going to be a broken record in this. The right-wing propaganda networks, Fox News and all that, yeah. for profit. For profit, exactly. that anger. Go and on. it wasn't just the Tea Party. I mean, all the abortion stuff, literally, literally Democrats want to rip babies apart in the womb. And I mean, you know, the gay, on the gay, I mean, I'm gay on the gay front. My God, you know, we want to get into your bathrooms yeah. and rape your children. I mean, on every yeah. front, it was Obama's a Muslim, which was basically right. I mean, ironically, with Obama, you know, secret plant from a foreign enemy wants to take over the presidency. Yeah, that sounds yeah, that's ironic right now, isn't it? <laughs> but, but in any case, I guess my, my question is, we kind of, to a degree, we know how we got here, but how do we get out of this and what can you do to help? What do we, I mean, I don't just mean beat Trump. What do you do about the Republican Party? Well, I think the Republican Party's fucked. I think it's done no matter what happens to Trump, period. But I, I think, John, I think it's really important to really understand um, how we got here because I think the Democrat Party is going through their thing as, as well. Look, I'm not your typical never-Trumper. I was not a never-Trumper. And a lot of these never-Trumpers, people who I respect and um, we're on the same team now, look – they looked down upon Trump's message to these people, and they looked down upon these people. The people who sent Trump to the White House were the same people who sent me to Congress, and they're the same people who listened to me on the radio every night for six years. Right. They were angry about certain things, and John, you nailed it. I always say there were two strands to the Tea Party. The strand that I connected with was there's too damn much debt. We're bankrupting future generations. I went to Congress in 2010, and I realized the Republican Party had no fucking interest in doing anything about the debt. So right away, that part of the Tea Party went away. And then the other part of the Tea Party reared its ugly head, which was, I don't like people who don't look like me. I don't like people who aren't the same, who don't have the same sexual preference as me. And that part of the Tea Party, the populist nationalist part, was perfect for a demagogue like Trump to take advantage of. Yeah. And he did. You know, you do real, you realize, Joe, at some point, if we're going to have you on here, I'm going to have to make you call it the Democratic Party, right? Exactly. The Democrat. Thank you, Cliff. I, you, I you, 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 you said myself. Democrat Party. <laughs> it's okay. We're, thank we're, you. Thank you. We're, we're no, still, that's I mean, okay with the, it's the, the education of, the re-education of Joe The Walsh. Democratic Party. Thank <laughs> the you. The Democratic you Party. There we it's go. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, look, um, absolutely that's all true. And I feel like we saw it happen in waves. You know what hmm. I mean? I mean, maybe the first big populist wave. And you're right. Some of it, I do believe there's some people that legitimately care about the debt. 
but a lot of a, a lot of this was based on sort of those who are different. It was really, you know, what do we, who's causing the debt, i.e., you know, trying to blame certain folks for it seemed to be a large part of it. I mean, it happens first with Gingrich. You know, maybe there's a second wave around impeachment and later with, with the election of 2000. And then, I mean, to me, if there's any sort of pre-Trump Trump, it seems to be Sarah Palin kind of plowed that ground, so to speak. Um, but I'm interested in, so you, you were a part of this. You know, you were obviously ran and in, in, in 2010 as a Tea Party guy. You got a radio show on Salem, which they've since they confiscated from you, I think even before you ran against Trump in the I primary. Was lose it. Yeah, I was losing it no matter what. Right, because you spoke out. Be, 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 yeah, because, I, look, I was told, guys, from the moment Trump won, uh, I was told, like all of the conservative talk radio hosts are told, you've got to fucking say this guy walks on water every day. And so every day and every week, I was I had a nationally syndicated show. I was pressured to only say good things about Trump. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it because I could only say what I believed. So I was losing markets and I was losing advertisers and all the rest. And I was going to lose my show. People like you've got to be like a, a Hannity or a Limbaugh and just lie to and manipulate your audience if you want to stay alive in conservative talk radio. I couldn't do that. Well, so that's what I wanted to ask you, because I remembered when, you know, I started noticing you. I think at some point we started following each other on Twitter. Yeah. I remember noticing at some point you stopped, you know, you you were starting to say things. And you can notice this for exactly the reason you say, because right wing talk show hosts, others have to say Trump walks on water. And I suddenly started noticing you taking critical shots at him here. Now, not nasty shots, but saying, no, this isn't right. I mean, I feel like around the time a lot of us. Uh, you know, a lot of this stuff happened was maybe in Helsinki. Um, I, I, I could be wrong about that. You can so, tell me if I'm wrong about no, that, but I, no, go ahead. You know, Cliff, you're right. So here's my 22nd evolution. Look, I didn't love Trump. I didn't even like him that much. He blocked me on Twitter during the 2016 campaign because I would criticize him. I yeah. voted for him and I supported him because he wasn't Hillary. I figure Trump is a goof. Maybe he'll appoint a couple good people and a couple good things might happen. It became clear to me. And by the way, John and Cliff, I am really guilty of this. I did not pay attention, enough attention to Donald Trump. I just didn't pay attention to him. The minute he got elected, I started to really pay attention. And I realized, and I'm sorry, I was slow to the gate. The guy lies every fucking time he opens his mouth. I, I, I realized after a few months of that, I can't, I can't support that. My final straw was Helsinki. When he stood in front of the world and he said, I believe Putin and not my own people, that was the greatest act of disloyalty I've ever seen in a president. I went on the radio that night and said that, and Salem came down on me like a ton of bricks. And it was all downhill from there. No. And, and so then my guess is, you know, you start feeling more, you tell me if I'm wrong, but started probably feeling more freedom because you kind of knew there's a certain liberty in being fucked, so to speak, <laughs> right? You're going to lose your radio show yeah. and you probably felt you had, you had more freedom to even say more. Is that it? Or you just felt like you had to, or what, what no, led you to I, increasingly speak out? I, I just, uh, I, as long as I had that microphone, as long as I had my platform, maybe this made me a lousy radio host. I can I can only say what I believe. So when Salem and other people came to me and said, you've got to support Trump on this and you have to support what the Republicans are doing on this, I said I couldn't do it. 
So then they'd say, okay, well, we don't even want you to talk about that issue then. So there were some issues that they wouldn't even let us talk about. And, and you know the other guys like Hugh Hewitt and Dennis Prager. All of these people have sold out. Yep. I, they, they worked for Salem, the same company I worked for. Salem told us, say Trump walks on water, and they all did it. I couldn't do it. Um, so, I, I mean, pretty much I just became persona non grata at Salem and they were figuring out a way to just sort of slowly get rid of me. That's uh, fascinating. And, and I, I, yeah, Hugh Hewitt, I remember, said some – he's a classic example. I don't remember Prager either way. You know, I, I sort of remember I think he was in the bag anyhow. But Hewitt, I yeah. remember actually saying some skeptical things here and there, you know, and but it would seem he would, like, jump right back in line. My guess is the, the people that owned him he's- talked about that kind of thing. He, he's he's a company man. In conservative media, you have two kinds of people, either just fucking idiots like Sean Hannity. And Hannity's an idiot, and he'll yeah. do whatever Trump tells him to do. Or you have people like Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh is not an idiot, guys, and you probably no. know that. He yep. purposely, purposely lies to and manipulates his audience. He knows the stuff he's saying about Trump is bullshit. But all he cares about is, you know, ratings and being at the top. Yeah, because I feel like during the campaign, there are one or two points. Uh, and I should say during the primary campaign, 2016, there are one or two points where Limbaugh, when he thought maybe, you know, Trump could lose, was critical of him. Right. Because I'm yeah. guessing Limbaugh was more more of a Ted Cruz kind of guy or somebody else. I don't know who. Um, but but then as soon as it became clear it was Trump, you know, he went he went back to to the all the manipulation everything you're talking about um the analogy the analogy guys is my former republican colleagues in the house and senate again no surprise cliff and john you guys know this the vast majority of republicans in the house and senate right now think trump is a pathological liar and a fucking moron and he's bad for the country none of them say that publicly uh, for a few different reasons, but it's the same thing in, in conservative media. For ratings and to keep their numbers, they just don't say anything. To win elections, to make money, to, you know, I mean, yes. to, it's always for the, it's the combination, it seems to me, of emotional baggage of some sort where you just hate the left and, you know, fuck them, you'll get, you'll line up with anybody against them. Or it's a, it's a grift and you're making money doing it, so who the hell cares? Or it's about power and fame and what parties you get invited to, because my guess is, you got kicked off of a lot of uh, friendly email listservs and yeah. other invite lists when you did this. Uh, you know, all those pressures are there. I think we have to do a quick ad, Joe. Um, yeah, let's do a quick ad, and then I've got a question for Joe um, about what we've just been talking about, if I can remember it. <laughs> so uh, we'll do a quick ad break for a Literati Books, and then we'll, re- we'll be right back. Anybody quarantining with kids? I have friends who are. With libraries, schools, and bookstores closed, Literati has you covered with something truly unique. This subscription book club for kids was founded by two women, two amazing women, to make it easy to find interesting books delivered straight to your doorstep. That's awesome. No more scrolling online trying to find that perfect book for your child or give as a gift. Parents are running out of ideas in quarantine. Literati does all the work for you. Each Literati box contains five books based on a theme with exclusive original art and a personalized note to your child. 
These are going to Travis's nephews and my ex's newborn. If zero to 12, man. Literati knows at-home deliveries are so important in the weeks ahead to meet your need for attention-grabbing educational materials. Reading books as a family creates a sense of adventure and bonding. And with their curated selection, only keep your favorites, send back the rest for free. For a limited time, go to literati.com slash Stephanie. 25% off your first two orders. This is their best offer available anywhere. To get it, you have to go to literati.com slash Stephanie. 25% off your first two orders. Literati.com slash Stephanie. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, folks, we are back talking to Joe Walsh, not the singer, but the politician. Um, shoot, Cliff, what were you guys were just yeah, I was listening to you guys back and forth and I was trying I wanted to jump in because you had me something I was going to ask. Totally related. Colleagues in Congress. Yeah. It was, oh, yeah. I know what it is. You know, Joe, I was a Republican back, you know, when I was younger, my younger days. I worked yeah. for Ted Stevens back in the late 80s, yep. early 90s. And, you know, but 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 again, Illinois Republican. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, I should, I should, I say that you're an Illinois Republican, but you're, you're kind of the <laughs> Illinois Republican I didn't grow up with. <laughs> you're more, you're with, more of a Bob Edgar Illinois Republican. You know, I was right. I was the suburban Republicans that were, that yeah. were more moderate, whatever. Yeah. But what I don't understand is, you know, I switched 30 years ago, uh, but to Demo- being a Democrat, but what still really gets me, and I suspect, you know, Marcos Melitzas probably gets this as does Ariana Huffington, two other former Republicans is I, 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 to to a degree, I don't get the Trump stuff in the sense that I don't get why more politicians aren't speaking out because he does things that are so anathema to what Republicans stand for and things that I still believe in. I mean, I was as anti-Soviet as you get, and I still believe the Russians are a huge threat. I do not like that country. Yeah. And the idea of pandering to the Russians as a Republican, especially, is just disgusting. Pandering to China, you know, now he's anti, but he's pandering to North Korea. I mean, and especially, I'm sorry, but the Putin stuff, especially, that's something that for Republicans should have set their, you know, is it teeth on end, whatever the expression is. And hair on, on end, issue, hair on, end on, on issue, issue after issue, we just watch these guys roll over, and I don't understand why there aren't more Republican members of Congress who say, fuck it. I mean, you can't have yeah. 360 or however however many members you've got there who, who are so terrified of losing their jobs. I can't believe there isn't anybody who's a diehard, like a Tea Party crowd, who says, fuck it. I came here to make a difference. If you're going to do the wrong thing, I'm going to, like, at least, you know, basically in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez type who's willing to at least, she drives me nuts, but she's at least willing to speak out and call the Democrats out on stuff. Nobody's calling Trump if, out. I, I don't if, get it. If Obama, if Obama had done that, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Republicans oh and conservatives would be fucking screaming. Hey, John and Cliff, here's what, and I won't give you names, but here's what my former colleagues have oh, told me. Oh, you know you want to give his name. Yeah, just, just between us girls. <laughs> we will share with anyone. <laughs> yeah. Between us ahead, kids. Um, yeah. and, and John, I really do believe, look, you, you nailed it. It is a cult. We throw that out there, and I realized it when I was running against Trump. It is a cult because these are issues that most Republicans care about, but right now it is obeyance to their leader. That's, that's it. But what Republicans privately tell me in Congress is um, – Look, Joe, we know he's a bad guy. Uh, we know he's a liar. We know he's a moron, all of that. But he's going to lose in November. I mean, they were telling me this a year and a half ago. Joe, why, why, why raise a stink now? 
Trump's going to lose in 2020, and then he'll be gone, and uh, the good old Republican Party can go back to where it was before. So they don't want to they don't want to shake things up right now because they th- the bet they've made is that Trump's going to be gone in November. The other thing they tell me privately is, hey Joe, I know Trump's a son of a bitch. I hate him, but the Democrats are evil. So my coach is a bad guy, but the Democrats are socialists. We can't let them win. I hear that a lot from them too. That I believe. Actually. I mean, and that's the, the message that the how Fox and and right wing you know media keeps people there. I mean, there's other ways too. Yeah. But it's like whatever you think of any Republican, they're evil, and they want to kill you and steal your children. But Trump's not going away. That that's that's the flaw in their argument. And that's what I've told them privately, Marco Rubio and Cruz and Nikki Haley, all these people who think Trump's going to lose in November. And by the way, they want Trump to lose. But then Trump's not going to go away. That's what they don't realize. Yeah, if he loses after you've dragged him from the White House when he refuses to leave, he'll the first thing he'll do is he'll be on his Twitter account speaking to all these followers of his. Uh, he'll still get book, find a way to get booked on Fox News or OAN or whatever that network is and written about. Yeah. And he will anybody that doesn't adhere to to his crazy, he'll say they should be primary. They're terrible. It's the worst thing that's ever happened. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And so to think he's still I mean, as long as the man's breathing, you know, but, you know, even should something befall him. Um, Don Jr. Yeah. is sitting there with the same bullshit waiting to take over. He's got the name. He's got the, the same stupid attitude. You know, and then to me, there's all these mini Trumps in in who are now governors of states who've like doubled and tripled down on all this shit. I mean, I, I don't know that they if they believe it or not. I don't know if you know these specific people, and I won't ask you. Yeah. You know, but your your Greg Abbotts and Ron DeSantis's and Brian Kemp's. I mean, they're all acting like they're Trumps, and I mean, they're all in major states. And one would be crazy to think every one of them doesn't want to be president. So this is why I think the Republican Party is breaking up right now. And a lot of people don't even realize it because win or lose somebody like me, who's a principled libertarian conservative. um, There's no way in hell I will ever support one of these Trump enablers again. If Nikki Haley or Ted Cruz runs for president in 2024, they don't have my support because they they enable this Trumpism. And there are a lot of people who feel like I do. So I I think the party is split, and I think the split is permanent between Trumpism, the more populist nationalist crap, and conservatives like me who believe in conservative things, but we do believe in decency and tolerance. I think uh, that makes sense and could be a long-term break. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're in the wilderness. We could be in the wilderness for a while. So, good news for you, Democrats. Well, but how do you how do you come back though? I guess once again, because I I the the idea of people like you, David Frum, Amanda Carter, Rick Wilson, whoever else, uh, you know, John Weaver, trying to have a course correction in the Republican Party, trying to rescue it or try to create a new one. I feel like it almost sounds like a third party movement, which tends not to work in this country. You know, you really don't, at least in the last hundred years, or I don't know how long, 50, 60 years, right? You really don't do too well trying to start a third party. And in essence, that's almost what you're trying to do. That's what we, John, that's, you know, that's what we have to, that's what you're right. (laughs) That's what is that. I mean, I don't mean to be so dour about it, but I feel like, no, you know, no, I think that's why I think, go ahead. Go ahead. No, John, I think you're right. And that's why I think 
the Republican Party is in such a difficult spot because it cannot go back. It can't go back. So I really do believe there's a split. I believe the split is permanent. I believe it's going to be long term. Uh, And by the way, I think the Democrats have their issues. But what's interesting about the Democrats is their issues are they're actually arguing about policy and issues. Um, But no, this the the split in the Republican Party, John, is permanent and we're going to be in trouble. That that party's going to be in trouble for a while. Well, and especially well, I this, would say, yeah, yeah, go on. Clive. Go ahead, John. No, no I was going to say, especially this this cleavage now, because I almost don't understand it. It's an authoritarian cleavage. You know, I mean, Trump isn't promoting conservative. He's, he's a Democrat. I mean, look at the guy. Right. I mean, he's he doesn't believe in anything. He's not promoting anything. conservative conservative values. My ass. Right. He's, he's gotten around who knows how to make people. Yeah, well, but but he's gotten he's gotten the conservative judges in, which matters to a portion of Republicans. But on everything else, you guys care about? Come on, you know. And and yet, yet everybody, I I worry that there is a, and this I I worry about nations overall, but I never worried about us. I think there is yeah. an authoritarian leaning on the right, and it's because people have a little bit of an authoritarian leaning in their heart. Maybe maybe all human beings do, but on the right, it's a little more because maybe naturally those kind of people go that way. And Trump's the first person who's had the balls in a long time to just call it out directly and say, yeah, you want a fascist leader? I'm your guy. You want a strong man? <laughs> you know, who? I'm your guy. What, and well, all of a sudden, John, everyone threw out ideology and said, yay. You know, yeah, but John, you, you're right. You're right. And that's, you're right. And that's what scares and that's what scared someone like me. So, I'll get, I mean, the perfect issue, uh, immigration. Um, this is an issue that is near and dear to my heart. And this is an issue that this is the issue that got Trump elected. Um, when he said, I'm going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. When he right. said that four years ago, the first time, every fucking Republican consultant, the Rick Wilsons, the Steve Schmitz, the David Frums, the Bill Crystals, they all laughed at Trump when he said that. When Trump said that, I nodded my head because I instantly knew it was going to connect with the average Republican voter. And it did, because that's a legitimate issue that I've been talking about. If you want to come to America, come here, but you got to come here legally. Now, Trump took that legit issue that the Republican Party establishment didn't give a damn about, and he turned it into something ugly, like a wall, and I'm going to keep out people who don't look like me and all of that shit. So he took that issue to a real ugly place. But that's a real legit issue that the Republican Party establishment ignored. Right. No, I mean, there's no doubt. And we have splits on the left, too. I mean, you know, I I won't get into the whole policy of it, but John and I have had these conversations on this show. You know, I, I tend to, to to want to be a humanitarian in as much as I can be. And yet at the same time, you do need to have rules and you do need to have borders. And you, I mean, these, these, this is a legit issue. It's something that I wish we could all come. It's one of these things that actually needs perspectives where we come together and figure it out. Yeah. And the problem yeah. is, is that you have too many people demagoguing it. So it makes it impossible. But no, of course. I mean, look. You know, you're a country. You do have borders. You do have to make sure that those borders are protected. I mean, that's a fact. 
you know, um, and so. Well, yeah, but Cliff, even on that issue, right? He keep the thing that drives me crazy, Joe, is he just lies. He's not protecting the totally. border. His wall. Totally. Oh, he, he claims he's got 160 miles of wall. There's one mile of wall. He repaired 159 other miles, but it's it's wall that's already been there. He's only built one mile of new wall. I mean, it he just lies. he he lies about everything. <laughs> and that's what well, you and John. Oh. Yeah, John, so what's fascinating is probably the most depressing night day of my life was three days before the Iowa caucuses. Uh, Trump comes in for one of his stupid rallies into Des Moines, and I worked the line of people uh, right. going into his rally. I mean, I'm running for president. These are Republicans. John and Chuck Cliff, it was the most depressing time I've ever had. I asked them simple questions. I asked 40 people in line, 40. Has Donald Trump ever told a lie? And all 40 <laughs> people said no. All yeah. 40 people. And I asked about the wall, and they all thought hundreds and hundreds of miles of wall yeah. had been built. I mean, I said to myself then, I said, screw it. I mean, there's these people are unreachable. It's sad. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Cliff. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, in fact, I think, are, is this. Is this thing that's being put out, is it like a group of psychiatrists or whatever, unfit or whatever it is? Are you, is that video of you in there? Because I feel like I saw a trailer. Yes. And it had yeah. you standing there. Yeah. Um, so there was a, yeah, there was a, then a video of me at one of the, the rallies on caucus night. And I said uh, to a group of like 3,000 Republicans, I said, don't we deserve a president who tells the truth? And all 3,000 people booed me. I said, don't we deserve a president who doesn't, who doesn't, this was my favorite. I said, can't we do better than a president who makes every issue about himself? And the crowd booed me. Um, yeah. It was, it was, yeah. made me sad. But so it's, no, a cult. I mean, it's a cult, guys. It yeah. is. I mean, there, I do believe there are some, there are some folks, I mean, you're a clear example, Joe, people who voted for him or voted for him begrudgingly or he was the lesser of two evils or, you know, people like that who I do believe are reachable, but there is that hardcore, whatever it is, 30 to 35, maybe 38% even, you know, who are just, there's no way you're, you can't reach them because they're insane. They'll go down with them. Yeah. They will go down with them period. Yeah. It's sad. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Are you guys, are you hearing all the noise that one of my cats is making? I'm not. No. Good. Okay. Fortunately, good. cats aren't as loud as dogs. In my case, I had to make sure because I don't know what's, what's what's going on with her. No, no, um, no. Who knows? But um, here's the John and Cliff. Yeah. Here's the other problem. And John, you've alluded to some of this. Huh. I mean, right now the Republican Party is a party of old white guys. Um, I mean, we we're, we've lost people of color. We've lost young people. We've lost right. women. The party has, and. Old white guys die, and that's pretty much the Republican Party right now because a, a part of Trumpism is incredible intolerance, incredible indecency, um, and, and this national uh, – look, I understand nationalism. To me, nationalism is kind of like patriotism. I love America. We always want our president to do what's best for America. But he's taken that into an ugly kind of screw the rest of the world thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. The I don't know. How, trouble. What, do you find any of your, I mean, you must hear from your, the, I mean, you had fans at least. You must hear from your fans. Do, do you get any sense of at least like the people who followed you agreeing with you? 
and saying, yeah, what the what the fuck happened? Because I really do feel like there's this small group of you that could fit into one one Zoom party <laughs> who are rep- Republicans who get it. You don't even need to pay for the extra Zoom you know, capacity to to do it. No, I, mean, I, I, I think I, I think I told Cliff maybe a week or two ago, I do. I feel like a man without a country because, again, I'm in a weird place. Unlike the never Trumpers, I I mean, I came from the mega cult world. I mean, again, these were the Joe Walsh followers and the Joe Walsh right. listeners, all the people who are Trump cultists right now. Right. So I left that world hmm. and that was 90 percent of my base. And so, no, the vast majority of them now hate me. They don't. Again, they say ugly, mean things about me. That's I, I don't know what I don't know what the base is. I don't know what a guy like me, what my kind of base is anymore. Did Joe, what I mean, what changed for you? Did you have some, you know, did something happen Nothing. in your personal? But no, but I, what, no, no, what I, no, no, but that's not what I mean. I mean, you supported Trump, and again, from your previous comments, you've said a lot of stuff that Trumpers would like. You know, I'm just saying in terms yeah, of yeah. The, sort of the virulence of it. But you supported Trump in 2016. Yeah. Something changed. What, how, yeah, what, you know, what, John, what great, epiphany great, did you great, have? Great question. Why? Yeah, it really is. So w- the epiphany was the election of Donald Trump. Uh, no fucking lie. Uh, electing him and watching him then hour after hour, day after day, caused me to go back. And go back to 2010 and all the way up through Trump and say to myself, oh, my fucking God, did I say things that sound like what Donald Trump's saying? And what it did, John, is, look, I haven't changed on many issues. I've opened up to like, you know, the more I've learned about climate change, it is real. and And the Republican Party better acknowledge that. But in general, on almost all issues, I'm still the same. But the election of Donald Trump forced me, thankfully, to change my tone. Whereas like five years ago, if I disagreed with Obama back in 2013, I would have said, oh, Obama doesn't like America. Well, that's bullshit. Um, And you hear that from Trump people today who look at AOC and when if they don't like what AOC says, they say, well, AOC hates America. Right. Uh, That's not my tone anymore. AOC and I disagree on some issues. Obama and I disagreed on some issues. So it's it forced me. Trump's election, thankfully, forced me to change my tone Hmm. and, and not to engage in that ugly personal politic thing anymore. Which is kind of cool because it seems to have had the opposite effect on a whole lot of people. Um, yeah. <laughs> at least yeah. in your case, it made <laughs> yeah. you reevaluate and say, "Holy shit, uh, maybe I shouldn't. I shouldn't be questioning whether people love the country and all this stuff." Because sadly, I mean, I mean, just the shit out there right now. Um, and I'd like to say for a second, hmm. I feel a pressure to curse more with Joe on here. I'm, I'm sorry, you guys. By the way, I'm usually, sorry. No, 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 no we, we lied. I mean, we. we I laugh usually because usually yeah. I, I curse the most of anybody, and I have to try to watch. I know, he's, he's being an kitty boy, but fuck yeah. if you aren't making me look bad here. Yeah. Joe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and of course, I lose my train of thought. Uh, oh no! I mean, I mean, you hear about this in, in the, what just happened? Whatever you think right now about coronavirus, whatever you think about what, you know, I tend to believe in science, I follow professionals, anybody who, who 
is engaging in in faux populism and attacking you know scientists and whatever and met and doctors pisses me off on the other end yeah. i do actually understand there are people that need to make a living and i get some of the frustration and i get that people are who can't you know who can't see this thing and whatever i want to i try to understand it from their perspective it doesn't mean that i say it's worth ha- going out there and letting grandma die which actually i think dan patrick the lieutenant governor of Texas pretty much said, yeah. but I do get that perspective. Like if you need to earn a living, but you know, that when you see these people who are cr- screaming blue lives matter, you know, over black lives matter and that, that tussle. And then you see them literally fighting with police uh, who are wearing yeah. masks because they're brawling. Like what's happened the other day in California, I think it happened in Michigan and a few places where they're attacking our, 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 our guards who are just, they're doing their damn jobs you know, trying to, to keep order. When you yeah. see what just happened in Flint, where in a dollar store, this guy, this poor guy, who knows how much, he probably wasn't yep. making a lot of money. He was an essential yep. job. He's there being a security guard, doing his job. They require people to come in with masks. A woman comes in without a mask. All he tells her is she has to wear a mask. She spits yep. in his face, comes back with yeah. her father 10 minutes later, who shoots him to death. I mean, what the fuck? Honestly. That's not, I mean, it, that we've gotten to that point, like it, that Donald Trump is encouraging well, this shit every day. Well, it, Cliff, Trump has blood on his hands. Sean Hannity has blood on his hands because they're echoing Laura Ingram, everything Trump's said. And that filters down again to the people who used to follow me, the base. And they're still out there saying this pandemic isn't real and it's a hoax. That comes from Trump, Hannity, and Laura Ingram, and, and they're like, and they've got, I, I don't know how else to say it. They've got blood on their hands. It's sad. I'm not sure there is any other way to say it. I mean, it, you know, there's connections between things they've said and bad stuff that's happened before. And you could draw, I'm sure, yeah. social scientists, others, causal connections. I don't think there's anything as direct as you telling people something is a hoax that can kill them, and then they go outside and get it. And already a number of these folks, one leader of the reopened movement in North Carolina who screamed and yelled about it, she has it. One guy here who was a leader of the movement against our Republican governor, Mike DeWine, certainly no liberal, yeah. um, who is, who is, you know, largely, uh, or at least somewhat locked down Ohio. Um, a guy here who led that movement caught it, didn't believe you could catch it, screamed and yelled that we had to stay open, caught it and has now died. A couple of these pastors these big mega churches in, in the Southeast, you know, have had the same thing happen. I mean, you know, people are dying and they're being fed this yeah. hoax by, by those they trust. And then they're going out and they're getting other people killed. They're getting themselves killed. I don't know how else you draw a more direct connection in that. No. And um, look, I, I think this pandemic, sadly, has woken up a lot of people who don't pay attention to politics has woken up a lot of people to the fact that the guy in the White House is just fundamentally unfit. I mean, I say that, George Conway says that. I wrote a book called Fuck Silence that details how unfit Trump is. And the reason he's unfit is because he's- your book? Oh my God, you're definitely better than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an eye turner. Um, he's incapable of telling the truth and he's incapable of putting the country's interest ahead of his own. I mean, and that's why we are where we are four months after this pandemic broke, because Donald Trump just didn't give a damn about it. I think that is as perfectly staged as anything else. And so <laughs> I don't know about to, to end on a much, much better note. 
But before I thank you from, for coming on and joining us, Joe, um, you mentioned your book. It's it, what's the the subtitle? Right. It's "Fuck Silence." What's the subtitle? So the book is the book is called "Fuck Silence: <laughs> Calling Trump Out for the Cultish, Moronic, Authoritarian Con Man He Is." It's Ooh. up on Amazon. Go ahead and buy it. So Ooh, buy that you. book, folks. I will be buying it. I, I may even try to get Joe to sign it. We'll see. Um, <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> You should, you should you should start it by writing something you tweeted at me a few years ago or something. I don't know. Um, but what else do you have going on? Do you have other plans to do anything to be involved politically? I mean, you ran, we didn't even mention – I mean, we did mention you, briefly that you ran the primaries, but you tried to primary Trump. Obviously, it was impossible because of the cultists, and they canceled – the RNC is in on yeah. it, and the rest of them. They canceled a number of primaries. So politically, do you have anything else planned or, or, or in the media or anything like that? Yeah, look, I've dedicated my life the last year and a half to doing everything I can to make sure that this authoritarian is not reelected. As you said, Cliff, I realized I wasn't going to get anywhere in the Republican primary. So I'm, I'm going to launch a political effort here really quickly um, in the near future to get disaffected Republicans and conservatives to vote for Joe Biden, whoever the Democratic nominee is going to be and to vote for uh, a Democrat, the Democrats for the United States Senate, because I think it's important we beat Trump's Republican enablers as well. So we're going to launch a political effort to help give disaffected Republicans um, a chance to come out and say they're going to vote for the Democratic nominee. Well, I, I wish you huge luck in that effort. Uh, and uh, hopefully yep. we'll all be we'll have you back on at some point in the future when we're all toasting to the end of the, the Trump era. And then we can argue about issues and stuff and get you know respectfully. The new yes. woke Joe Walsh will argue respectfully. Woke Joe Walsh. There you woke go. Joe, there's your, that'll be a second book. <laughs> exactly. Woke Joe Walsh. Woke Joe Walsh, former congressman, former conservative media personality, current uh, current uh, bane of Trump's existence and who intends to to let's say take the message to other Republicans that this yep. man is terrible. Thank you so much for being on the show, Joe. <laughs> thanks, Joe. John Cliff, thanks, guys. Take care, buddy. So, was, Cliff, before we exactly before I uh, talk a little well, bit about what Joe's, uh, what were you thinking? I said we have to do another quick ad, but what were you thinking? No, no I was going to say. I mean, again, uh, I, 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 of all the things we've seen, even sort of the Frums, some of the other folks we've had in here, John Weaver, you know, had a more kind of moderate political, you know, Republican kind of persona, right? You know, um, the, you know, the, he is a, a. It's surprising. That's all I can say. Yeah. You know that, and again, I don't say that what he said in the past is just all gone and whatever he said, and he did some terrible things. And he and I, you know, he admits it. The, the, what I appreciate about it is he admits it. He takes accountability for it. He blames himself somewhat for where we are, and he's doing what he can right now to try to make up for it. So I mean, yeah, you know, what else to say? Plus, he's funny and he curses a lot. What do yeah. you do? No, I mean, as we said before, I, at this point, you know. I'll work with Satan to get rid of Trump and then we can deal with our battles with Satan afterwards. But, you know, as we're seeing right now, people are, this is the crisis. This is the crisis Hillary predicted. And it is the crisis that we all predicted when Trump got elected or when Trump was even running that. So yeah. we always thought it was going to, I thought it was going to be North Korea, maybe war with Russia, although he would never fight back against Russia, but it would be North Korea or something. In this case, it was a pandemic, but that people were going to die. Our lives would all be on the line and Trump and would, would be, it up. He'd be completely unreliable in yeah, any way. And he'd screw it up can't. and kill people. And he, he is killing people. He emotionally, intellectually, you yeah. know, 
he cannot psychologically, yeah. he just, he, he can't be a leader. It is not. Yeah. A Before we go to it, I'll also say, you mm. know, I'll never forget saying a similar thing back then. Mm. I remember everybody was always so focused on just the nuclear weapons part of it. And yes, that's terrible. But the chances we actually. What, in terms nuclear, of a threat, you mean to our existence? Right. Well, yeah. Like Trump, if Trump gets elected, he's going to have oh, his right. finger on the nuclear button. And I'll never forget saying to people, you know, or tweeting out saying on this, uh, you know, uh, on not this podcast, because we didn't have it yet, um, but saying on on shows I went on and things like, you know, you forget all the times you need a leader. I said there could be a huge national uh, depression, an economic disruption that's worse than what happened in 2008, rivals in 1930s. There could be a pandemic. And yes, I didn't know. I'm not going to claim I knew what that meant in terms of like day to day living. I had no idea except for from history books, but knew, you know, knew enough to know it could happen. There could be a natural disaster. Right. Katrina, right. but worse, much worse. Right. Even, there, you know, that that there and there's a million other little things that you don't even but 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 you need. A, a federal government that is competent, that cares, and is trying to do their best, and to think so. When people would just bring up the nuclear weapons, I'd say, you know, we really should be talking about much more than this, because every presidency, you know, that 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 has had a period like this for eight years, whatever, has had a terrorist attack that's massive, or has had this kind of an economic dislocation, or or something of that nature. To think it wasn't going to happen during his presidency was to, just to be naive, and as you said, here we are. So, okay, quick ad, and then we'll come back and maybe wrap up if there's, if there's any other news of the day of the last couple of days. But I uh, wanted to talk to you guys again really quick about uh, the company we talked about before. Um, as you know, everybody's thinking about their hygiene, washing our hands, sneezing into our arms, et cetera. But a lot of things people, or one big thing people don't think about is their cell phone. Uh, cell phones are a vector for disease. We rarely clean them, but we're always putting them up to our face. We're, I had told an anecdote of putting it down on the counter at the doctor's office while I used his hand sanitizer. His hand sanitizer. I, I tried to say that whole sentence without taking a breath. And you, gotta, it, you gotta breathe, John. Come on. Without, without, you know, so I'm using the hand sanitizer. My phone's on the desk. I pick my phone up again. And of course, my phone is now dirtier than ever. Well, there's there's an app for that, but it's not an app. Actually, it's technology. The Clean Phone Pro. Uh, it's a sanitizer using medically proven UV light to kill 99.99% of all bacteria that comes in your body on your phone. To be your phone. Uh, it's better than wipes, safe for your device. The Clean Phone Pro gets every inch of your phone clean with 9H uh, high power UVC lights. There's also a dedicated wireless charging pad on top of the chamber. So you can be sanitizing and charging your other devices on top. Um, and uh, the a uh, fully removable top means it's easier to fit more items and larger items in. So you can you can also use it to clean other things. So if you're serious about hygiene, it's time to get serious about cleaning your phone. Go to thecleanphone.com. Keep your phone truly clean. Remember, use the use the code SEXYLIBERAL. You can get it for $89 and free two-day shipping if you use the code SEXYLIBERAL, and it'll ship immediately. That's thecleanphone.com, thecleanphone.com. There we there go. There you go, folks. And and again, we don't need to go into all the stuff. We've gone into it a couple of times. Don't use bleach, Cliff, on your phone. Yeah, don't use bleach. Uh, don't, the UV light works on the phone, on surfaces, on, on other things. It does not work. It does, you can't get it inside your body. Your phone, I'm sorry? Hydroxychloroquine might work on your phone, though. Well, well, a number of things might work on your phone that you don't want in your body. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I thought it would work on your phone. <laughs> uh, well, here's what I'm saying. Um you know the thing is, is, is that what I'm it, saying. You sound like Rosandra Zanadana. What are you saying? I'm saying, uh, God, man, you're going old school SNL. I know. I'm just saying that um, a lot of people forget about phones, and you shouldn't. 
uh, from a very simple standpoint of it's it's something that we all take out of our pockets wherever we are now, mess around yep. with. And so if you go outdoors and you do that, you got to clean it. That's all I want to say. I'm just that's my public health uh, announcement for. Yep, yep, yep. So what else? So. I'm just trying to see here what else we've got in the news that's worth talking about. Um, you know, they're doing more of the reopenings. There was that new study with the White House. The only thing is I've seen some people poo-pooing it a little bit, which means we're back to not knowing exactly what's going on in terms of how many people are going to die and get sick. Well, so the one from the White House at least said, folks, just so they know, there would be yeah. 3,000 a day. But if you if you looked at the curve on that, that was that was the moderate estimate. Oh, was it? Yeah. The worst case estimate is 15,000 a day. Yeah. I got oh, okay. that. Does not well, happen. and Cliff, remember, people have been saying that where we are right now, we were supposedly going to have sixty-five thousand or so deaths by August. Was the was the plan, so to speak? The plan. And we, and we pulled out of his ass when he was trying to, in his mind, blow up the numbers. So oh no, 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 no! Not not just Trump. Apparently, that was like one of the earlier estimates, not just from him, from like the experts. Although I think it was the experts he was trying to use. Yeah, and we've already blown past that. You know, so we're, what, we're, we're in the 70 something range now. Yes, we are. And you know, one broken 70,000. And one of the things, uh, just to re, not to remind people, but make sure you know this, if you're ever looking at the charts, you know, you look at the charts of deaths, you look at the charts of new cases, and it's all a little hard to discern because deaths, not everybody dying, do we know they died of COVID because they die in their apartments. Um, right. You know, they die of a stroke at home. Guess what? The stroke happened because COVID caused them to get blood clots, right? So, you know, we don't know necessarily. So deaths are probably understated. Um, new cases are understated because we don't have testing. So that's another thing that's hard. And as you get more testing, the number of cases grows because you're all of a sudden discovering cases you didn't know about. So even if you see P a, a spiking in the chart, it can be a little confusing, right? But But one thing that we do know is if you're looking at charts, of new cases and you're looking at charts of deaths over time to get a sense of where we're going in your state or wherever in the States, it's pretty easy to look at nationally. You'll want to look at surveys that exclude the New York area because New York, I forget cliff. Was it half the cases or half the deaths? I mean, it was a crazy number. Yeah. You want to look at a, at a chart um, that shows New York, and then that excludes New York to see how the rest of the country is doing with cases. And what you see, by the way, if you include New York, it looks like cases are starting to go down. And I think even death might be starting to go well, down. New York got it really badly, partially the, the slow reaction and Bill de Blasio, others are to blame for that. And but, it's all boy. but yeah. I, I, well, no, it's not just every, in every other way, New York, sadly, is a kind of the perfect place yeah. for this kind of a thing. An international city where people are coming in and coming out you know, constantly, a place where people take rely on public transportation, subways, buses, taxis, the rest, a place where you've got 8 million people living, many of whom live in close quarters to each other. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, it's for something like this, right. sadly. it's So it, it's unique in that way. Even a place like Los Angeles, the second biggest city, a few million fewer people, People tend to drive in their cars and are further spread apart. You know what I mean? Yep. So, anyway, I've got a. I've actually got a little Ohio story. Interesting for you. Um, oh. People may or may not have seen in the last day or two. I think it was two days ago. The the crazy, you know, uh, anti quarantine or anti stay at home protesters went outside the house 
of Ohio's, yes. think Ohio's health chief, the you know chief of all health issues in Ohio. Um, uh, neighbors reported that numerous of the people had guns, the protesters. Yep. Well, DeWine, the GOP governor, just came out and said, come after me. Yeah, he I mean, told, this he told way, the protesters to dare to come after him, leave her alone. I which give him really, a lot of credit on this stuff. And again, I wrote yeah. a piece about this for the Daily Beast. Did we ever put that up on Patreon, John? I don't know if we did. Uh, we did. There was one a couple of weeks ago. You gave me a week or two ago. I don't okay. know. Was there another one? Was it for the Daily Beast on DeWine? I've written yeah. two in the last. One was the New York Daily News that was different than there's this oh, one. Uh, I don't know. I'll, we'll check. Remind me we'll after. Check. But, but the point about it was, look, DeWine uh, and stuff that, that touches his very strong Catholic beliefs, he's terrible. You know, and I'm not going to, you know, ex- you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all on abortion rights. He's horrendous. He's horrendous on gay rights. He's horrendous on, on you know, birth control and a number of things like that. Right. Um, but he always, when he was in the Senate before he lost, was more moderate on a whole number of issues, guns, um, campaign finance reform, climate change, things like that. And he moved to the right when he started when after he lost the Senate race to Sherrod Brown in 2006, and he was starting his political comeback. You know, he ran for a, a attorney general first, and then for governor, and he had to win in Republican primaries. And sadly, did what these guys do and sold out and went to the right on everything. But he always had this sort of moderate-ish part of him, and and he's been leading that way when it comes to the how he's been in, in Ohio. And so I, I I respect the hell out of him on that. Um, but this stuff with uh, with Amy Acton to, to get the, you know further out there again. These guys, mm-hmm. at Michigan State has. It's just a reminder. It's yep. it's disgusting. It's embarrassing when you when you uh, have other civilized countries looking at us, and we've got basically right. white Al Qaeda members showing up with you know with bandanas and assault rifles and terrorizing yep. people. This issue of of guns. Just I mean, again, I don't want to go off on it because we need to deal with coronavirus, or whatever first, but. The, you know, public displays of guns needs to be banned nationally like this. It is, oh, it is, intimidation, it is yeah. an intimidation tactic that is meant to shut it's down. It's terrorism. You're using gun in politics. Yeah. It's terrorism. Right. It's using your, your, so, your so-called Second Amendment, and I won't accept it because it's nothing to do with the Second Amendment, but using your extremism that you pretend is protected by the Second Amendment to actually suppress the First Amendment. Because what you end up doing is people don't have freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, and those things, if you can show up and threaten them with a gun. Yeah. Not only do assault weapons need to be banned, but but these the, the, the public, uh, there needs to be national a national bill that literally finds yeah. the shit out of people, even when they've got a legal gun, throws them in prison for, right. for, for threatening somebody publicly by showing, a, showing a gun. I mean, it's ludicrous. That's the only other thing I've. I mean, to show up at, at this public health director's house, showing guns. I mean, what the fuck oh, are Cliff. we? They brought the guns inside the the, the idea. Then, wasn't it? Yeah, they brought it inside the state house. They burst it in Michigan. If they, had those guys been African American, how long do you think until they were shot? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but could you imagine bringing? It still blows my mind that you can bring assault weapons. I don't into, think. I don't know if it's legal in the Michigan. It is legal in some state houses and whatever. Was it in Michigan or where were they that they did? I think where they busted in was Michigan. I'm not sure it's legal, yeah. but they still did it. I and mean, fucking I mean, up. I just, well, oh, well, you know, the other thing too, and I just don't understand how the NRA and all these guys get away with it. If you are Al Qaeda or whoever, you know, I guess it's not Al Qaeda anymore, but well, it is. You still have Al Qaeda in North Africa. But, but if you're any ter- foreign terrorist group or domestic terrorist group, just dress like a fucking redneck 
and walk in with your guns oh, into a legislature, wherever. Why? Why wouldn't and or do a Walmart? Why? I just, I mean, I'm and frankly, no one's going to know. People will be creeped out, but they're going to think it's just more rednecks with guns. I know. Well, this is the, and then when they start opening shooting. Wait, wait, real quick. And the, but then when they start opening shooting and the cops show up or even other rednecks, who the fuck do you shoot? Everyone well, the, looks the, like a redneck with a gun. Cops have said plenty of times. Yeah, you know, they, which is, you know in, in one or two things, I'm trying to remember if Tucson was one of those cases with where Gabrielle mm-hmm. Giffords was shot. I feel like it was. Somebody there was toting a gun and almost got shot by a cop who yeah, turns out was one of these so-called, it was one of the quote-unquote good guys. That's the problem. They don't know who the hell the good guys Jesus. and the bad guys are. That's the reason why you have you have trained policemen in uniforms that let you know who they who the people are who have guns i mean yeah. there are, i don't want to go off on it forever but the laws in this country that allow that right are, are just are in, in, incredible yeah i'm sorry it blew my mind looking at those pictures of all those guys holding guns in a legislature because they're literally using guns to intimidate politicians by with violence and that means you go to jail for being a terrorist that is correct. It's that just, correct. it's, 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 and again, I mean, I almost do, I, I realize they're strong on their gun thing, but I almost fault us on the left for it because that should be an easy thing to ban now. It really should. You do not get to bring guns into political places when, not to mention, if it's, con- even if it's concealed, it scares me, but if it's concealed, it's for your protection. No, you if don't get to openly, sh- you don't get to openly wave brandish it? guns. At- it, yes. It's meant, brandish to, it's meant to be political terrorism intimidation. I mean, this happened a number of years ago where a bunch of these guys, you know, Shannon Watt, hmm. uh, who we've had on the podcast before, of, right. you know, started Moms Demand Action. They were having a group of Moms Demand Action volunteers. I'm trying to remember where it was. Um, it may have been Texas, maybe somewhere else. And these guys found out about it, and they showed up and they were brandishing guns outside the restaurant. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's nothing but an intimidation tactic. Yeah. We use ballots in this country, not bullets. This is bullshit. It's not democracy. It needs it needs to be banned. No public display of weapons. I mean, obviously, I think we should go a fuck of a lot further than that. I don't think anybody should be able to carry a concealed weapon unless you know they have a job that justifies that. Um, but you know what? Like, first things first. Getting the public, getting publicly. You know, getting people to, to go to prison for publicly brandishing weapons in the in anywhere that should be a federal bill. Like, if we get a Democratic Senate and Biden, and let you know they try to filibuster it, we should just get rid of the fucking filibuster, pass everything. Yeah, I'm laughing. I'm reading it. Southwest Airlines tweets: "Book a getaway for future travel." Doesn't that sound great right now? <laughs> I mean, uh, I get what I get. What they're I mean, getting at it depends <laughs> what they're asking. If it's a future where we can travel, sounds wonderful. If it's you think I can even imagine that future right now, I, I mean, I, mean, I get what they're getting at. Where we but, we had a May yeah. the Fourth party here, kind of, where so it's hard. Our, our neighbors who we like, but you know, they're on the other side of our driveway. We we set up right here on our. We've got a, a carport where we set up. Like we uh, uh, we hang down like a sheet and we do movie right. nights. We started doing it. and they sit on over way over on their side of the driveway and we sit over on ours oh, cute. and whatever. And um, why am I telling this story, John? Um, it wasn't. Perfect. I don't know. I don't know, but it's nice. It oh, nice. you know what? Well, but then I'll tell you. Oh, my okay, story. okay, no, no, I know why. Let me yeah. say it quickly. Well, because yeah. we started talking about it and we were like, you know, this is this is like the, some of the only social, you know, kind of interaction we get yeah. outside of our families and whatever. And, and, it, and we were just like, you know, we we're talking about somebody about flying. Somebody in our family was talking about flying somewhere and we were just we're discussing it. Like, can you even imagine getting on an airplane? Can you imagine going to a concert? 
and not being like freaked being that close. I mean, I think it's going to have a long lasting effects even after it's safe. Restaurants. Yeah. Not to mention restaurants. You've got to line up before you get into the restaurant and then just being in the restaurant and, and worrying about the staff and was anybody, Oh God, one of the right. things I heard Cliff, one of the stories I heard yesterday on, it was either CNN or MSNBC. No, don't tell me that. I, I don't like it. I know. Well, it's about tell the me. meat. It's about the meat plants. Right. And they've been, um, as we know, all of us know, right. People have been getting increasingly sick at the South meat. Dakota, Indiana. Yep. Like- and Trump invoked that defense act to keep employees working. They had one guy there, uh, Latino immigrant, who was basically, I think, like a whistleblower, talking about how many people were sick and not going home because they had to have money, you know, right. so they didn't want to go home even though they were sick, and got into trouble with the plant for being a whistleblower. Um, he was talking about coworkers being sick and whatever they were sick with, who knows? But, he, you know, they said to them, you know, Joe, Joe or whoever, go home. You know, he said, I can't afford it. Well, some of these coworkers were so sick, they had sweat on their brow that was dripping off onto the meat. Oh, God. Now, this is what they said. Now, whether they said it because it was a a good tactic to scare people or whether it actually happened. Well, there's that. There's also the fact that the the meat goes through plenty of processes before it gets to you. Uh, and you cook it. I mean, at least we, I wouldn't be eating anything. There's also the fact that, um, that, um, I'm just, I don't want people freaking out. So I'm just trying to say all this. Also the fact that at this point there have been, there's no proof. In fact, there's no even sort of data on it being Mm -hmm. spread by one person via sweat. It's spread via saliva, not sweat. It doesn't mean that everything you're saying is suddenly good though and pleasant yeah. and that we should be doing this and frankly gets the much deeper issue of of how we've failed these kinds of people um many of them all of them in this country and that the right. reason why we have to choose between covid-19 go spreading in an economic shutdown is because we haven't done what certain european countries have done and what you should always do i don't care whether you believe in socialism or not i, I can be very clear i don't I'm not a socialist. I believe in right. capitalism. I think certain industries uh, should be socialized because they don't. The profit motive doesn't work. But that's another conversation. I'm not going to get into. I'm just going to say I'm. I am a capitalist. I believe in very well regulated capitalism. Yet, during a time of crisis like right now, when you need people to stay home, you give them an income to stay the fuck home. That's how you yep. do it. And if you did that and you made sure their health care was guaranteed and they right. made enough money to, to – to their, 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 a couple of their bills were suspended for six months and they made enough money to live on so they could stay home, we could get through all of this and get through it much quicker. Um, and many fewer innocent people would have to suffer. And the right. fact that we won't do that, again, is the existence of the fucking Republican Party. And no, not all Democrats are perfect and there's some shitty Democrats out there too. But again, there's like the – you know, most of the blue dogs of the Democratic Party are gone. There's the five to ten percent of shitty Democrats, and there's the ninety-eight percent of shitty Republicans. Well, we just lost. What's his name? Was it what party is better? Yeah, yeah. We just and we I support too many others. By the way, you know that wasn't that, you know now you get some of these justice Democrats folks trying to take credit. Sorry, the people that were called the quote unquote establishment, like NARAL and Planned Parenthood, and Every Town for Gun Safety, and all these other groups were behind Dan Lipinski's challenger Newman. What was her yeah. first name? I can't think of it. Like in the last cycle, they were supporting his challenger because he was from this moderate to liberal district and he was a fucking gun nut. And the only Democrat that I know remaining who's against marriage equality, maybe him and right. his Joe Manchin still against it. Yeah. But I mean, to be from a, a suburban Chicago district and be the only Democratic member of, of the House, I think he is, or one of two, 
maybe that one who's from like crazy land in, in like the Trump district that keeps barely hanging on in rural Minnesota. Um, Colin Peterson is all, I don't know, but the point, you know, point being that this, that, that Lipinski was somebody we could all get behind. Again, if you're progressive, you look at the district, you're like, this guy's ridiculous. Get rid of him. He also anti-choice nut the whole rest of it. Well, guess what we did. So, so most, again, there's exceptions. Democrats aren't perfect. Nobody's perfect. There's some shitty ones. Uh, but overall, anybody who's got a, who's got a reason uh, and understands nuance and context and anything else can look at the two parties and be like, one of them, most of the people are doing the right thing. And the other one, almost everybody's doing the wrong thing. I know which one I'm lining up with. This is and, funny. The, uh, yeah. I'm laughing because Jim Acosta is traveling with Trump to Arizona where, you know, Trump's doing he's visiting some factory or something. But uh, Acosta says, I'm traveling with Trump to Arizona. I asked him about the Lincoln Project Morning in America ad he tweeted well, about. He tweeted about it last night because they, so, I mean, it was such smart hacking and understanding of politics, which is why well, I like Actually, do you know how it came about? Yeah. They played it on Tucker Carlson's show and that, and they understand that. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Cause you were saying smart politics. This, some guy tweeted it Conway or Rick or somebody. Oh yeah. And said, you should do morning and M L U R N. No, I got what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And they wrote back and said, Oh, you know what? That's we're going to use that. You mean the idea for the ad. Yeah. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. But we also, it's in the execution. The ad is incredible. Well, tell people about it. So it's, it's it's on Ronald Reagan. Yeah did a famous ad in 1984 yeah. it's morning in america again you know, the birds are chirping it's sunny outside the suburban neighborhoods where white people live look all nice so <laughs> it was yeah why would you think yeah. of going back yeah. to jimmy carter right when you like his vice president especially yeah. and what we had the stagflation and you know yeah. the opec oil trouble and iran taking our hostages why would you do that when everything's so nice and wonderful and yeah. reagan won a landslide um so they took morning in America, as in AM, and turned it to morning, as in M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And it had the same kind of music, it had the same kind of slow feel to it. But instead, the music is sad. And it shows, instead of these chirpy, happy areas and neighborhoods, it's people in line with masks on. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the best ad they've done yet. Yeah. And, but, yeah. And, and understanding, as they do, and so often drives me crazy, certain people and the Democratic Party don't get is how much of this stuff, especially when you're dealing with a head case like Donald Trump, is psychological warfare. Yeah. And they, they, so what they do, they didn't spend a ton of money. They paid, I don't know where else they put it, but they put it in a few places on cable, which actually doesn't cost a huge, you could do that for 100000 or less if you just show it a few times on cable. Right. And they, they put it on Tucker Carlson's show where he saw it and lost his shit. And now he's got news people asking about it because he lost his shit and tweeted it. So what they've done is successful. Because you've again made it impossible for Donald Trump's aides to get his attention with anything yep. resembling, yep. you know, something that's positive for him, at least for the next twenty-four hours. Yep. Because he's so angry and he's, yep. you know, so. so Acosta asks him about it on the plane this morning, and the group is called the Lincoln Project. Their group that that did the ad. He still mentioned, by the way, earlier he mentioned. Did he? Yep. But, so. Trump says it should be, he responds to Acosta and says, it should be called the loser project. And then he went on to attack George Conway and others in the group. But I mean, he couldn't even come up with a good retort. The loser, the loser project. Wow. I'm sure Don't start with L. It's like perfect. Or loser. Something. I mean, it's like he's a 12 year old always, but yes. Oh, and that's actually pushing it. Cause my 13 year old has so much better a grasp of it. 
of the intelligence of humor than him. I, I think six or seven year old is probably closer to it. Yeah. Really smart though. There's mourning in America. Oh my God. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. But um, otherwise I'm just trying to think eh, it's Tuesday, you know, um, We'll see what happens. I don't know. Things are opening up. Pretty much no one's thrilled about the way things are opening up. Sanjay Gupta is very worried. Even Dr. Burks, who's, you know, a little bit of a shill at times, uh, the woman with the scarf, she's she's <laughs> not been, she's a little nervous about the opening up that she's been seeing. She actually, what she said the other day, actually this weekend, Cliff, which I thought was really interesting, when they were asked about numbers, she said, look, we have, because Trump, mind you, Trump keeps saying, well, yeah, maybe now it'll be 90,000 deaths, but it's still way better than a couple million. So I, I saved millions of lives. She keeps saying, now mind you, Trump's up to 90,000 now that he's willing to admit maybe we'll die. She said this weekend, she said, our numbers have always been 100 to 240,000 deaths. And I believe that's by August, by the way. I don't think that's forever. That's not like over the next three years. By August, 100,000 to 240,000 deaths. And she threw in, but that's if there is total mitigation. Now, I don't know how you define total mitigation, but it's not what we're doing. No. <laughs> and well, if you just start with- Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Only because yeah, I wanted to put a point on this. It's very interesting that even she, who is somebody who has been really trying to suck up to Trump, and I think frustrating a lot of us, because she's always kind of dancing around things, that with Trump trying to say that maybe we'll only have 90, only 90,000 deaths, she threw out the figure again this weekend. No, no, no. We're still predicting 100 to 240,000. And that's if we do everything right and we're not, meaning it's going to be more than 100 to 240,000 deaths by the summer which I just yeah. thought was interesting for even her. It makes me think she's getting really worried if she was willing to throw that out there and risk pissing off Trump. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, and look, we, what I was going to say, I mean, we, we never even, you know, there's a, because of, of the situation, because we have literally no leadership from Washington, none except for, you know, I mean, it's the opposite, obviously. It's conspiracies. It's whatever. But it's letting states bid against each other. It's stealing, you know, for for PPE. It's stealing the right. stuff. Some of this stuff. I mean, it's just. It's. I mean, when the history of this era is written, my God. Um, let's hope there is a history to write. Um, you know, but there's there's six or eight states that literally never shut down at all. So I mean, when you're talking about these mitigation efforts, I, I mean, luckily for us, for the most part, they're pretty rural states where it's where people live further apart and it's harder to spread. But that didn't stop it from spreading throughout that damn factory in South Dakota, right? You know, the meat factory and the rest. It's of the pretty state. weird when you think about it. You're right, South Dakota of all places. You'd think they would have been better off, but yeah. Well, no, but they were. Except for the problem is, is they have a meat plant. And so even in states that are overall better off because they're more rural and people are not, you know, sharing public transportation and all this sort of stuff and don't have as many big office buildings and whatever, there still are places that, that some of these places have manufacturing plants, you know, of various sorts. And that's where, you know, just happened in Indiana too. I mean, they do have a decent sized city in Indianapolis, but otherwise, you know, I mean, it, it they they can't hide from it. It's spreading to rural red areas now. It's growing right. there. Um, and and that's again that is the problem here is is you know when you talk about this full mitigation strategy again we never had a full mitigation strategy everywhere right it's never even been done there you know there even the states that got there late there's a the most of the states have done anywhere between something to some very good things but there have always been those that have lagged and there are a couple of big states that even did a sort of semi shutdown you know kind of sort of did it late and did it half assed 
again, the three I mentioned earlier that have these little sort of you know tin pot Trump types, you know, running them. Abbott in Texas, um, Kemp in Georgia, and DeSantis in Florida. Those are two, three very big states, and they have never fully and effectively shut down. And now they've reopened beaches and other yeah. stuff. Like, I just I don't see how whatever the the worst end of that spectrum is, we don't end up on. Well, I don't, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, look, the whole idea here, at least from the U.S. perspective, because we knew we couldn't shut down like China, just because, you know, they're totalitarian dictatorship, they shut things down better. We, the whole intent here was to keep the number of cases relatively low so that our hospitals wouldn't get overrun. So that, A, if you got coronavirus and had a really bad case, there would be a hospital bed available, doctors available, ventilators available. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing was you wanted to keep cases relatively low so hospitals weren't overwhelmed for the rest of us. If you get an appendicitis, if you get a heart attack, if you get a stroke, if you fall and hit your head and you're bleeding, you, want to, you, you A, want hospital space available for you, but B, you don't want a hospital 90% filled with coronavirus so that if you go there with a head cut, you know, your kid, cut, your kid cuts its finger, he's going to get coronavirus and die, right? right? So that was the idea. But the idea was never that we were going we were going to suppress it so far it was going to go away in a couple months and then we could reopen. The idea was we're suppressing it so that over the long haul, people still get sick, but it's it's fewer well, at a time. So the hospitals don't get overrun. The problem is it's no, my point, Cliff, we'll just to end is yeah. the idea was over the next couple of years until there's a vaccine, we'd all still be getting sick every month. There'd still be people getting sick. So by opening up, all you're doing is putting us back to where we were two months ago, where you said, okay, virus, all the progress you made. Yeah, Okay. Virus. Everyone's assembling again. Go get them. The the easy way to say this is by Hmm. staying at home, you don't develop immunity. You just, you, you basically don't face the virus by staying. You just avoid it. If you just come right back out and then face it. Yeah. It's the same thing as if you. This was, supposed to, this was supposed to buy us time for vaccines and buy that, us. So that time was the thing for drugs. It, 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 that was the one thing, and now you mentioned it. That was what right. I was going to jump in right. and say. It wasn't just about you know spreading it out so because we all get it eventually. It was that's part of it, and you spread it out so you don't overtax your system. But it's also the hope that uh, that over time, you know, and and if you're lucky, within a year. And now they've said it could be even quicker. Technology improves and all that. You have a vaccine. China also started working on it well before us because they had this crap in October, maybe September. You right. know, So they knew about it and they started working on it. And uh, as you will be shocked to know, in an authoritarian country like China, if they want to actually solve something like this, they can put whatever resources they want. Congress doesn't need to meet and discuss it. And oh, by the way, I feel sorry for any of the human, quote unquote, volunteers <laughs> It gets yeah. tested on. I mean, they can move quickly in a place like that for various reasons, not not good reasons, but they can. So that's the thing. And and the only positive news, I mean, that I've seen come from some of the people I trust on this who've had mostly negative news is in the area of a vaccine where they believe because of work being done and things they're seeing and hearing, we'll end up getting it even quicker, that there's even a chance we could have it by the fall, which would have been about six to seven, eight months after – well, actually a year after – I guess after China maybe started working on it, or well, maybe a little less than that, maybe nine or ten months after China, and that's not out of the ballpark. And so that's why you do this, and that would that would have been incredible. But right. the other thing, John, that we're not mentioning is here's the thing: not only do you provide the extra income and do the other stuff we were saying that you do during a disaster to people uh, is a way of of ensuring that 
that uh, they don't have to go out and work and they still can make money and they're not suffering and the economy keeps going. Um, but on top of that, if you at all take the role of, I don't know, being commander in chief and being a fucking president and executive seriously and that this country is your responsibility, you, you know, and you have any clue how to run anything and not just think about yourself all day, you jump immediately on testing and tracing like South Korea and other people did. And then you're able to let people who, te- who at least the best of our knowledge now are immune to this for at least a year to two years after they have it, go back out. Right. But and the combination not- of, of, you know, of people going back out in, in increasing numbers who've had it and survived um, and eventually getting the vaccine, you get through it. But we haven't done any of that. Yeah. So, I mean, we've done it. I, mean, I shouldn't say that. We've done it in varying degrees. It really just depends what state you're in. Yeah. I don't know. Let's see. I mean, again, and there, and to, to be fair, there, no one's opening up entirely yet. You know, they're telling restaurants to be at 25 or 50% capacity or 25, I think it is percent, you know, so let's see. I mean, but did those other states ever, the ones I'm talking about ever actually even close? Like, did they close? Well, restaurants? That's, a, that's a good question. Oh, that's I'm a thinking good about question. that. No, the eight holdouts, Oklahoma, Arkansas, exactly the places you would expect. The one shocker yeah. was sort of was Iowa because Iowa tends to be a swing yeah. state, but they have a Republican governor who's a moron. Um, but, you know, these very conservative, small, you know, right wing population. So my you know, nephew told me that Arizona was Arizona was still holding wedding ceremonies. My nephew told me a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago. And so, they're not. They're not a small you know, they're a growing. It's city. Not, actually one yeah. of the largest metropolises in the damn country. I mean, the Phoenix area I mean, Phoenix is now the fourth or fifth largest city in the, in the country. It's right. insane. And Tucson right. is not small either. I, I don't know. I know. All right. We've gone on for an hour 20. We should probably wrap it up, but blah, blah. Uh, That's that's all I've got left. Blah. Okay. All right. Um, Yeah. We'll be back later this week. Maybe, maybe it's time to book another comedian. (laughs) It it certainly should be. (laughs) Um, All right, guys. We'll talk to you later this week. Take care guys.